I'm having a good time. You are? Yeah. I can tell. We are rolling Terrible happy talks. Terrible happy talks. Terrible happy talks. Terrible happy talks. Brian, are you ready, brother? Ready to go. <laughs> Today's guest is Brian King. Brian is a husband, father, entrepreneur, businessman, yoga and mountaineering enthusiast. Originally from Dublin, Ireland, Brian can be best described as a self-made man. Son of a fisherman and a nurse, educated in aquaculture, Brian has owned and operated a diverse range of successful businesses in construction, health and wellness. Brian's mountaineering adventures have inspired travels around the world. He finds a connection to the landscape of Nepal and the Himalayas. Brian's charismatic approach to life, his kind heart and big smile make him a natural-born leader, in my opinion. In 2013, I was lucky enough to join Brian on an expedition, which he organised and led with local Sherpas, to the Himalayas, in which we supported local schools in the Kumbu region, uh, which is Mount Everest region, by supplying essential educational needs such as backpacks, tables and chairs. Racing him to the top of Mount Kalapatar, which is almost 6,000 metres high, watching the sun rising over Mount Everest and then frolicking at the base of the Kumbu Glacier are profound memories that I will cherish for eternity, literally. And I actually have photos of all these experiences, by the way, which I will share on the Terrible Happy Talks Instagram. Today, Brian is with me to share his experiences, challenges, and hopes for the future. Brian King, welcome. (laughs) Hi, Shannon. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. Dude, brother, thanks for being on. How's your day been? Give me a give me a day in the life of Brian in isolation. Uh, my normal day uh, at the moment is to go back to Winona Pool in, near Wollongong, which is ninety minutes south of Sydney. It's an ocean pool, and I'll swim about a kilometre there in the morning. Um, I like the cold water. Um, then I'll grab some coffee. My favourite time of day. I'll walk the dog. Uh, Drink some hot water and lemon and just uh, kick back. <laughs> you know what? Like, I'm the same, like, for me. <laughs> kick back all day. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I'm actually on the markets. Uh, but Stock yeah. markets? Um, I'm on the cryptocurrency markets at the moment, uh, specifically Bitcoin. Now, listen, um, I want to yeah. – I actually – I know, like, let's start strong because yeah. I, I, I don't know much about it. Um I know it's been really controversial and I know that there has been a lot of diverse and varied opinions on uh-huh. cryptocurrency uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I'm uneducated. I'm uneducated. I don't have an opinion on it. But can you just like, for those that don't know, like what is cryptocurrency? Like I don't even know. Well, I think the best way to answer that question is um, what is money? And so um, currently the oldest currency in the world is the British pound. It's about 319 years old. The British pound, when it uh, came into being, was it could buy you probably about five ounces of silver. And nowadays, it'll probably buy you about point, 0.05% of that amount with the same pound. And over that same amount of time, the US dollar has lost its purchasing power. The reason quite is simple, because they keep printing more of it. So it's not correlated to human metabolism in the sense that 
it's not work. It's not like you own a cow. You 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 own a car. It is um, it's money out of thin, uh, thin air, and it's it, it's called a fiat currency for good reason because fiat is actually um, money by de- by decree. Fee, a fee, a fiat, a fiat, a oh, fiat F- currency. Gotcha. Yep. Um, so at the moment you have this ridiculous uh, situation in America where the stock market crashed, but it should have crashed a lot harder. But because they just printed paper and more paper and more paper, and have artificially propped up the markets, um, there is a fundamental disconnect between what is value. Um, this uh, what is real value? Um, it's a kind of Alice in Wonderland situation where nothing is real. Um, but to get back to your question, uh, yeah, Bitcoin. So why why is cryptocurrency more real? Would you say it's more real in that in that line of thinking, or is that hard? To, is that too hard to? Well, well, just to come at that again, I mean, if you go back in history, you had the Roman Empire, which because it wanted to expand like America today and conquer the world, it originally, I think their currency was the denarius, something like that, a solid gold coin. And over the years, as they sought to expand their empire, they they um, interfered with the integrity of the coin and they, they, they um, mixed it up with cheaper metals. Much like the US dollar today, it just devalued the currency. Um, once they devalued the currency, essentially, they, they, essentially what you have to understand is that they needed more currency for more soldiers, for more armies, for more land, for more conquest. And then it inversely affected them because the value of their currency, um, the integrity of their currency decreased, and thus the Roman Empire um, started to decline. And you see that in, uh, of course, uh, in America today, um, uh, the exact same thing. Um, so, you know, as I said before, British pound, oldest currency in the world, it's only 319 years old. Gold has been around for maybe 5,000. So gold is a finite resource, whereas fiat currency is infinity. So it has less value. So, um, you know, if you're, if, if someone told your wife there was, we're going to make a, another two trillion shannons, yeah, she's not going to have much value on you. If you take my point, got it. So, um, two thousand and eight, in answer to the, um, in response to the uh, another ongoing financial crisis, um. Some dudes got together. There's a little bit of debate about exactly who. Some dudes got together and created a a digital public ledger. Um, so there can only ever be 21 million Bitcoin ever made. So it's finite. I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's finite. Yeah. So at the moment, it's um, there has been about uh, I think about 18 million, and um, every four years it gets less, so it becomes more valuable. So it's everything that the financial system is not. It's a finite resource and it's it's on the it's on it's on the internet and never been hacked. 
Um, and of course, because it's a threat to the system, it's uh, obviously the, the the media hound dogs have been have been um, put out to to hunt it down. But um, yeah, no, you, you can't kill it because it's a decentralized system that is owned and traded twenty four seven. Uh, all over the world and it allows for the transfer of money or wealth at lightning speed over the internet peer to peer there's no bank in the middle visa's not in the middle that's why everyone has been um, really crapping on bitcoin the big boy's been crapping but just today, John, I think it was uh, Paul Tudor Jones, the most successful investor in American history, has come out and said he's buying Bitcoin to hedge against a uh, financial collapse. So that was the tick of approval from the Ivy League in America. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So and uh, then you have people, um, macro analysts, ex-Goldman ex Sachs, macro analyst Raul Pal from Real Vision. Um, a lot of big guys coming in uh, who have a lot of uh, financial economic pedigree and who have studied it and who have uh, suddenly realized that it's a digital form of gold. It's, um, um, it's everything that gold is, uh, but it's online. And um, so if you had a Bitcoin wallet and you were, you were in Bali, and you rang me up and said, dude, send me over. I need, I need some. I could send it to you in about maybe 20 seconds for less than a couple of cents. And uh, it's going to be on your phone. And then you just, and the system we're going into, which is, you'd be able to go around with that phone then and just scan whatever you had to buy, blah, blah, well, blah. That was my next question. Like on a, on a practical yeah. level, how... How is how is it used on a day to day basis by someone who owns it? How 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 do they actually spend that to to live? Is you can't you can't do a silly it. question. No, or? no, it's a that's a brilliant question. Um, the practical application of Bitcoin today, in terms of um, say buying a cup of coffee, it's not quite there yet. It can be done. You can do it at Brisbane Airport. Uh, a lot of different airports, but mainstream. It's 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 it hasn't broken out mainstream yet, but it's coming. And actually, um, one of the reasons it's going to drive it is the COVID, because cash is basically handing over my germs to you. I mean, I'm seeing it already. I tried to pay for a cup of coffee today, and yeah. I, I, only, I only had cash. He's like, "Oh, have you got another way to pay?" And I was like, "I've got a card, so yeah. I had to use my card for yeah. three dollars yeah. fifty or whatever it was." The thing, the thing about a card, as people forget, is that you've got um, your credit card number on the card and you're walking around with it, which is basically access to your private wealth and you have it on public display and you're handing it over to people every day. Whereas with Bitcoin, um, I own Bitcoin and I store them on, um, on um, a digital device with a 24-word seed phrase, which only I know. And... I've chosen to come out of property and keep my wealth in Bitcoin. And I, we recently lived in France and I brought the thumb drive, my bank. It's my personal sovereign bank, 
So my money's not in the bank anymore. I don't trust Dude, the banks. How, I, I don't how, either. How, I, I hate the banks. How can you trust the banks? They, they, they think when you give them your money that they own it. Well, I often I've been trans because I've been living and working in Indonesia and paying a mortgage in Australia. I I'm getting charged for transferring money, my own money, and then having to access my own money constantly. It's complete rubbish and takes three days for transfers, all this stuff, and um, and then you know you have banks closing down at five p.m. on a Friday. What's that about? The world doesn't live like that anymore. The world is twenty four seven now. Mm, it is. And um, oh, listen, banks. It's a man. Banks are a man-made monster. We made them. We have to take ownership of it. it. I mean, there's such an imbalance of wealth there, and, and like in the profiteering that occurs from banks. I've just, I'm, all, I'm all, I don't understand it. I'm not a finance guy. I, to be honest, I don't, I, I don't even like to think about finance stuff. But I mean, you have to actually take responsibility for it. I, I understand that much and mm. I haven't gone mm. into the depths of mm. thought about it. Mm. Mm. But um, I must admit, like, uh, throughout throughout the course of my life, I'm repelled by the banking model and I'm someone that doesn't even think about it. I, I, it just does not compute with me about how much money they make for doing very little effectively. The banking, international banking system is basically, yeah, it's... Uh, it's just a cartel. It's, I mean, essentially here in Australia today, there's no reason to my mind why, and I think the Australian Labour Party need, should run on this ticket, there's no reason why you wouldn't have a bank that's owned by the people, much like ABC t- television. So we own the bank and the profits from the bank, which are in effect our mortgage repayments, come back to us but it's all of a fat cats club and of course the big problem is 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 um corporate donations to politicians which takes away the integrity of the political system and that's um reached its zenith in the u.s today where you're presented with two idiots every four years um uh, in their 60s or 70s uh, there are most of them are bankrupt, habitual liars. Um, the good presidents they had, they shot them. Um, you know, and then you had the ridiculous scenario, nine eleven scenario, where you had aluminium planes flying through steel and concrete buildings. Um, that country is pretty weird. It's a big, it's a big conversation. That one, it's a massive one, and I don't know if, how far I want to go down that rabbit hole. But I do want to go back a little <laughs> bit. It's a rabbit hole of a discussion. But I do want to go back just quickly. What you said about like using Bitcoin on a practical level. So, are you sort of saying that there are some vendors that are now offering it as an option? Like, um, is it is, it, is living, that starting uh, to grow? Like, there's vendors, yeah, like yeah. businesses, that will give you that option to use Bitcoin in their business? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you can have your wages paid paid by Bitcoin now. Um, you can invest your self-managed super fund into Bitcoin. Can you? I yeah, yeah. Know. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Bitcoin has been the best performing asset of the last 10 years in the world today. 
So why the resistance? Um, I don't think there is any. Is it lack of lack of education? Um, the people I talk to, every man, woman, and dog is buying Bitcoin. Um, and what we have to think about here is this: it's very important. The Grayscale Trusts in America, one of the our fidelity, the big funds in America, they have their funds broken up. You know, they'll have the older baby boomer investors, they'll have the millennial investors, the baby boomers. They're all getting wrecked on the stock market because they've given their money over to financial spivs who've invested it in, in financial derivatives, who in turn have just wrecked it. So you have this ridiculous situation now in America where. The big guys are bailed out, but the ordinary citizens and their super um, are, are being de- decapitated because the money they've invested has been misused. Um, what was the point again we were going? I, I guess my, my the point I was trying to get to is like, I mean, the way you explained it to me was the most logical way that it's ever been explained to me. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I haven't done a lot of research into it, don't know a lot about it, but for the first time, I actually felt like I understood it when, when you made the point about, um, you know, cash money can be infinite because they can just keep, keep printing it over and over. And I mean, as a, like, as a layman like myself, I often think, oh, when the world's in economic crisis, why don't they just print more money? But then I do understand that that devalues that that product. But then when you actually explain it that Bitcoin is finite, which then that means it's a resource that over time, because there's a limited amount of it, becomes progressively more valuable. Am I correct? More valuable, more stable. And, um... and no middle... No, no yeah. middle, no, no, the, no middle person yeah. taking their cut. So effectively, it's like it's more of a communal uh, approach to commerce. Correct, and, and and there's another system in the crypto called Ethereum, uh, and basically, basically, what's coming is you're going to have decentralized banking system twenty four seven, and where everyone has their money on the internet, and people borrow and give it to each other. On the internet, a decentralized banking system all over the world, like a bartering system, um, in a way. Yeah, yeah, just a mutual, common ground, decentralized economic financial system with no interest rates. Um, yes, you get a staking return for having an amount of Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever it is in the decentralized bank. You 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 get a great return, and that is why. The financial world is coming to crypto because um, basically, yeah, you're getting paid for staking your coins. Dude, I mean, firstly, I didn't really expect this conversation to go this way. Like I was actually like, I'm coming mm. here like, I want to talk about mountain climbing and yoga mm. and I want to talk. Mm. I didn't, mm. But I must admit, I'm really mm. curious. And if you don't mind, I've, I've got a few more questions that have popped up in my head. Yeah. But like, do you feel like Bitcoin could be the foundation of a revolution? Um, or is it? How am I to overthrow to, uh, the current system? I'm not going to answer that question. Let me tell you this. Um, the US dollar, our money, was originally a, a chit or a slip for you giving in your gold to the bank and they give you, they give you a, an IOU, 
So you gave your gold to the bank to mind and they would give you an IOU. That IOU turned into a currency which was pegged to gold. It had value. That's a very important point. In 1973, early 70s, Nixon took the US dollar off, off the gold standard. And this is also important because why? Because just like Rome, they could print as much money. They weren't limited by how much money they could print because it was unhinged from gold. Gotcha. That, okay, now I understand. And um, that allowed them to wage war all over the world, um, in, my belie- uh, in, in my understanding, on behalf of co- corporations. But that's another story. But um, And just like the Roman Empire, yeah, but they, they just print, 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 print. Um, the problem is, is that, uh, for them is, is that if you have a currency that is pegged to something like Bitcoin or gold, wars would probably not even exist because you couldn't afford to do it. Really? Well, how could you? There's a limited amount of, of it. So how could you? You can't just you can't just say, right, we're gonna print twenty trillion dollars and 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 and, and uh, build uh, B fifty two bombers. But does that lead to an imbalance of power in the world? It depends how you run your um depends how you uh run your uh, political system, but uh the thing the world needs uh, is equality and stability and all the all the all the all the other stuff peace and love but um the financial system doesn't give you that it gives you eight and ten year financial collapse where in the most recent one um I think it was President Obama, you had all the banks that were failing, so he took taxpayers' money to bail out Goldman Sachs, all the big banks of America, because they were too big to fail. So the big guys got richer, big guys got bigger, all a little club. And at the end of the day, you see the middle class getting destroyed and you see a gravitational pull Um of money and power into a smaller and smaller uh, percentile George Orwell Orwellian situation 1954 was that his book yeah so the word that you said was revolution well you know I I really don't believe in violence uh, as such but revolution is a good word Uh, and 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 um you know, you have this, and you're starting to see it in the yellow vest reaction around the world a little bit. It's pushing back against being crippled with tax. You're taxed on you're taxed on this. You're taxed on this. You're taxed on this. It's just tax, 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 and yet you see the big elite corporations. Um, which is it's it, it's very Darwinian. Is survival of the fittest, but you know, really, is that what the human race is about? If you're asking me that question personally, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I, I, I do think humans are designed to live in communities and tribes where we all look after one another. That's my opinion. Um, and I guess from my perspective, I'll share it. I mean, if you look at the state of the world and 
not just the economic issues that we have globally, but also the social issues that, you know, uprise from economic hardship and which leads to things like substance abuse and mental illness Uh, and domestic violence. I think the average person is not thinking consciously enough about money and the, the brief history you've just shared with me, in all honesty, is probably the most in-depth that I've personally gone in terms of the history and, yeah. and the links to gold. Um, and I think part of the problem is people aren't being conscious enough and thinking about what money impacts on us so much on a day-to-day basis, the way we live and the way we, you know... Um, are driven by consumerism. Yeah. So it is, I mean, it's a huge, huge conversation and debate, but I I think it comes back down to this, just being conscious about, you know, this foundation that has been sort of this system that's been placed on us. It's not working. It's really obvious. It's in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's a a great point. Um, The problem is, is that the economy is always front and center as the most important thing in the world. Why? Um, like who's dictating that? Governments? Is it a population control thing? At the very, very fundamental root of all of this is ego. Um, how much money we have, what car we drive, the... Uh, To me, it's getting um, a very valid question to ask this. Do you want a plasma TV and live somewhere in suburbia uh, in Australia, uh, commute to work every day, pay a mortgage, or do you want to take off your shoes and walk out the country um, and have a veggie patch? Like, (laughs) to, to your point before, so where's the quality of life? I mean, you know, as you know, in Bhutan they have the or Bhutan they have the the it, the country's index to happiness. I'm not aware of that. Can yeah. you can you explain it? Yeah, there's no jail in Bhutan. I think there's one jail in uh, um, I think pronouncing the country right. Bhutan B H. Yeah, but but oh, I mean, I've pronounced it Bhutan. Bhutan I actually yeah. teach a student from Bhutan. Okay, and amazing country. One jail in Bhutan, it's empty. Uh, so yeah, it's indexed to happiness. That country. They've actually made a scale. I, people look, Based listen. On, go and correct me, but that's 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 the loose perception I have of that country. My point, my point, basically saying is, is that um, where we place um, our priorities, there needs to be a paradigm shift in terms of how we perceive how we how we perceive value of ourselves and of others. How many people have ever come up to you and say, oh, I got this investment property and I got this and I got that. What's that about? I, so what, what do you want me to do about it? Who are you? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, 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 so I get your ego. And listen, I include myself in this. I'm not some, uh, I'm not some um, innocent Ego attachment uh, to um, to money to you know blah blah blah. So yeah, and that starts with education. Yeah, listen, let's just say it's a mess. Well, 
why why do you feel a sense of conviction to 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 maybe even um like I guess I've always seen you someone like I've always been I was always attracted to the way you do life I must admit you know from the first time I met you as my yoga teacher okay um I'm very curious and you definitely seem like someone who maybe doesn't like to conform would that be an accurate description have you always been a little bit non-conformist I don't, I, I don't like being shoved down a funnel, you know, and say, listen, dude, that's, uh, that's your life. Because I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell you every time to, I'm not, well, I'll walk away. I will walk away all the time. Um, so my, my perception, I believe in the inherent goodness of humanity. Um, but the system as it is, is a rich man's trick. It is, bro. You just have to look at the stats. And I think that one of the biggest indicators is the pandemic of mental illness that has swept the world, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think. And, you know, to my mind, you're in education, I know, and you've worked in education, so you'll understand it better than me. To my mind, Say a young man that goes to school, he needs to be uh, taught how to, um, he needs to be taught self-defense against bad people in the world so that the good people can defend the weak. So that's number one, say for a bloke growing up. Number two, how to treat a lady. Um, Number three, all the good stuff, you know, um, but not just to be sat on a desk and to be wrote, you know, to, to, to and to be examined on memory. Uh, life is so much more than that. They, they should be doing yoga classes in the morning, maths, English, sure, all of this stuff, but really need to, to my mind, if we can get to the nub uh, if we can examine a paradigm shift in the educational system, and that's also a way to stop hate in the world, is to bring cultures together. I mean, if you bring Catholics, Protestants, Arabs, Israelis, and you get those kids and mix them into schools, you start to diffuse the time bomb that is the world today. What breeds empathy when you have diversity? In my- Empathy, um, if you were to read a great book called The Road Less Traveled by a great American psychologist now now past Scott Peck, empathy comes from uh, love, compassion. And as the Jesuits used to say, show me the boy at seven, I'll show you the man. So if that child gets a lot of love in the first seven years of their life, if they're wanted and they're, 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 they're caressed and... If they're disciplined with love, the 1,000 cuts of, 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 of tiny loving correction, then that child is bred into compassion, empathy. And you might ask me, I'll anticipate maybe a question that you might not ask is what is evil? Well, evil is the lack of empathy. And the lack of empathy be- comes from not having love as a child. And so if we can get 
that's why these kids are so important. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> it's so, it's, I mean, I, I can't agree with you more. I really feel like there is a shift in education. There's a, there's a, there's a desire for a shift. Mm. And I'm actually mm. feeling more optimistic about it than I ever have. Because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of offshoot um, schools and educational philosophies that are really trying to break away from the mainstream. And I, but even the mainstream, I mean, I can only really speak for Australia because I have worked in the mainstream system. There's a real desire there in the, in the new curriculums. Um, I I do think it's a little bit strangled by the current structures, and I think that's where they need to. They need to start working on relaxing those structures and, and rethinking um, things as fundamental as the environment that is created. You know, I think they need to move towards more um, outdoor environments for classrooms and things like that. Um, no more placing kids in a room full of, you know, that's bricked in with one window up the back, you know. They need to move away from that fundamentally. And um, But I do feel like if when I look at the current curriculums, they are – they are moving towards, you know, project-based sort of approaches and differentiation approaches where, you know, tasks are, you know, moulded and modified for the individual. I think that that's, that's a real good step in the right direction. Well, you, you said a word there a few minutes ago, community. And, like, if you look at it, we call them primitive people, but if you look at a tribe in the Amazon jungle, the father goes out with his son every day. He passes on his skills. The mom is there teaching all the hundreds of years old skills. They have a community. They feel loved. They're connected. The The money thing is not there. It hasn't twisted um, or, or engage the ego and engage the greed aspect of the human personality. So in that sense, I would say probably one fundamental thing is that sometimes you have to go back to go forward. And it's, 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 it's no point saying, well, that's too far out, dude. You know, it's not, well, it's, it's not. You have to re-examine how we live and what makes us happy. I'm happy with my dog, with a, maybe a Shiraz, or I'm happy with my family. I'm happy if I have good neighbours. But money stresses me out. Do you think this current situation with this, you know, imposed isolation, these, you know, social isolation laws, do you think um, what maybe you could give us a prediction of the positives that could come out of, of the situation we're in right now? Well, there is always a silver lining to every cloud, depending on your attitude and how you look at the world. But what I'm seeing at the moment is is that I'm seeing moms and dads down the parks with the kids doing things they may possibly haven't done in that particular family lifetime because they have time. They have time. And they've been unwillingly disengaged or cast out from the this mouse wheel the little mouse wheel and um, they're spending time with family 
I'm no. I mean, I am. I mean, I'm. I'm assuming you are. I'm with my family every day. I, I mean, I am to the point of insanity, bro. <laughs> I mean that Don't in a nice me. way, but like, I mean, it, yes, it, there's, it's been challenging at yeah. times with two little children and I know yeah. you're in a similar situation, but yeah. um, I must admit I'm getting to know my children, especially my daughter who's a little bit older, you know, I'm getting to know her in a different sort of way. I'm, I'm starting to really see the intricacies of her personality and I must admit, I, I was losing that when I, I go to work at 7.30 a.m. and I'm not getting home till 4 or 5 every day. I'm lo- I'm, I was losing those details. I mean, I've been quite blessed the last couple of years working in a, in a school where my, my daughter goes to the same school and I can just go and see her every day if I like. That's been amazing. That's awesome. But um, now, you know, being in – I was in quarantine for two weeks and then, you know, now the last – of four weeks on top of that, just basically homeschooling and spending every minute of every day with her. Yeah, it's it's that's, really special, bro. And and, and, that, and that's a really basic, fundamental thing. I mean, animals they they live to eat, to drink, to um, procreate, to recreate, and uh, and be with. It's, it's simple stuff. And and I and I, my father used to say, like, keep it simple. And simplicity is intelligence. You might look at somebody drawing charts of the stock markets and stuff, and they'll have lines along. You want the guy who'll draw two lines. And you want the guy who'll be able to answer you, what's life about? And he'll just say, to love and and be loved. That's it. And... um, to relinquish desire. And I think that's the way you move on to, to, to the next level. You, 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 when you can extinguish desire. Be more present? Present, absolutely necessary, but I believe we come back to this earth, um, we reincarnate back to this earth because we desire to, we want, we, we have unfulfilled desires. And it's only when you stop desiring the sex, the money, the power. In other words, when you disconnect from ego, that you're free. Are you more then in a position to receive abundance? <laughs> you, you, you're going into the outer... outer it, where, where yoga meets physics is is basically visualizing or creating your day by seeing it first. And I often say that string theory meets meets yoga. I mean, the, 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 the physics guys go to India, the yogis don't go to New York. So it's, 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 um, you can create your life through your dreams. And if you don't have a dream, the universe doesn't know what door to open for you. I can't so you, believe you, you said that. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta have a dream. You gotta let it know, and you better, you better be asking too. Oh my god! I can't you be, that. you better the second be, time I've heard that today. Literally, yeah. same thing. You better be asking to what you want. Um, you better be putting it out there because, uh, like, and it's listen. We talk about money. Let's not stuff around. 
I love money. I would like to have lots of money. What I would do, it's not for me. I was going to say, yeah. I would would build, um, you know, uh, I would do, I would do good stuff with that. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it in the Swiss bank account, you know. (laughs) You'd spend it. Uh, oh, I've I've made deals with my with my the people in my meditation of what what I will do if they can help me. You know, I'll, I'll do I, I, that's worked for me in the past. Is meditation a big part of your daily routine? Uh, no, it used to be used to be huge. Okay, and um, when I was climbing mountains, I was by myself basically. Um, uh, it was absolutely huge. I would. F- I would find a place to meditate like an alcoholic would look for a drink. Um, and um, what I'm about to say now, I mean in a very, very pure, loving sense, is when I met, when I met my wife 10 years ago, we got married within 10 days. And I felt myself coming back to the physical world when I got married. And <laughs> if I can just leave it that, um, um and um yeah yeah so it's it's been funny but uh, i i i i still i still have my guides that i see in my meditation every day i do i do pray to them every day i have certain guides and it's funny if i go to a really good psychic she'll she'll tell me what they look like wow yeah so i uh, yeah i know it's not my it's not my imagination so <clears throat> Let's say life is challenging. You're going through a challenging period in your life. Could be a variety of things. Who knows? Problems with the children, problems with the wife, or just the daily pressures of life. Like, what sort of coping strategies do you put in place at the moment? Do you go for a swim, or are you are you meditating more, or are you praying? How, how are you coping with life's daily challenges when things get stressful and hard? Again, I come back to it because I was reared with such love. I was given lots of love when I was a kid. Uh, to me, it doesn't matter what life throws at me. I just, it just doesn't bother me. Because you grew up like in Dublin, Ireland? Or? I was born in Dublin, uh, five years in London, then came back to Ireland with uh, an English accent into the Irish schooling system and got bashed and beaten up and down the... Um, you know what I'm saying? It's it's pretty pretty hardcore, but rough um, childhood. No, it, it, it wasn't. It had its moments, but uh, my mom and dad, um, you know, they were. Um, I just I just got so much love, and um, I'm coming back to the point I made before. And when you have that, it gives you this foundation that no matter like no matter what happens, COVID. A death, God forbid, in the family. What? It's like that should just because you're a rock. I see it, bro. You're a rock, you know. And mm. it's like don't let anybody steal your peace away. When you have that love, a, you gotta get back to the kids. Once you got, once you have that love in your life as a youngster, are you have you given that into your children? They become rocks, and nothing like this. I see people stressing out over this, and I say, "What are you doing? Like, what's what's that about COVID? Like, I know I know many many people. God rest their souls have died. God rest their souls. But come on, 
So is it know, safe to say, like, is it really that hard? Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I am definitely sympathetic and empathetic to, you know, the, you know, the situation and and how much the current you know, COVID situation has impacted on on people's lives individually. Yeah, and sure, you know, sure. my mother, my my parents are elderly, and they're in the most vulnerable range, and. My our good family friend, she's elderly and has cancer, so she's very vulnerable. So I'm very sensitive to it, but I I feel that um, I don't want to be controlled by fear of that's, of what could happen. And yeah. and I think the thing that's coming out of it for me is is how controlled we are individually yeah. and as mm. a as a society yeah. by notions of fear. Yeah. And that's really resonating for me. I mean, I see it every day. I go to the coffee shop. I yeah. see fear when I see these yeah, taped yeah. crosses on the on the ground that yeah. you have to line up behind. I do get it and I know it's responsible, um, but it's just an observation, I guess. Listen, I was reared by a nurse. I have no problem with, with that kind of stuff, i got to say. But um, what I want to say to you is I'm trying to articulate it as best I can is, is that no matter what life throws at you, it's just not a problem. Like, it's this. I never had a problem in my life, ever, because <laughs> I can tell, there's, I can always, can tell. there's always a salute. Like, I don't get problems. I don't understand problems. You get a problem. When I used to run my business in Sydney, I'd have 10 guys around the table and, it's, and they'd all tell me the problem. I'd say, okay, any solutions? Hardly no one. So no problems, just solutions? We just we just want a solution. Thank you very much, um, and we'll um, readjust the way we do business moving forward based on our mistakes. Uh, we're not in the blame game. We're just looking for a solution, and we're moving forward. Um, COVID: seven billion people on the planet with uh, factory farming. Always going to happen. Um, you know what do you expect? You've got uh, and, and 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 they tell us it's 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 the that we we have the swine flu which they're really worried about. So why? Because SARS. Of, of SARS, we, we, we have we have factory farming of um, intelligent animals, pigs. They have the intelligence of a dog. We have factory farming of chickens. Factory farming. We basically we're mistreating the animal kingdom, and that's bad karma. Which we're part of. Which we're part of. Um, fair enough, you want to go out with a bow and arrow and take down an animal that you need to hunt. It's fair enough. But when you you got um, huge factory farms, um, seven billion people can't have a steak. Those cows, you need to knock down trees. They're fed corn, which they can only eat for about six months before they get sick. Um, they need lots of water. They're producing methane the gas. The environmental impact of production is massive, yeah. So we used to think that vegetarianism and all this kind of stuff was some kind of a hippie pot-smoking uh, domain, but it's. Um, I think vegetarianism, if we're serious about the planet, has to move mainstream. You're vegetarian? No. Okay. Um, I'm a vegetarian depending on who I'm living with. Okay. So before, in previous relationships, um, never ate meat. Um, Is that a respect of, uh, just a respect of others? I think um, at the moment, uh, my wife is Romanian and they're, they're reared with plenty of cured meats and stuff like that. It's hard for me to walk to that fridge and, and um, 
I don't eat much meat, very little meat, but I'm being completely transparent. That's my next question, yeah. And, and, and just being completely upfront and saying, yes, I eat some meat. You reduced, yeah. You've reduced your consumption, though. Reduced my consumption, and um, I feel great compassion for animals. So sometimes I think, like, what humans seem to forget is that we're actually part of the same environment. Like, we're actually part of the environment. We're not separate to it. And, yeah, I think when you adopt that mentality, it does definitely, it changes the decisions that you make. Well, well, yeah, I don't want to get all yogi, but, I mean, we're all just vibrational energy. Get all yogi. Why not? Like, I think it's... Brian, I honestly think it's time for the world to get all yogi. <laughs> it is. Like people, yeah. a lot of people I speak to, even people that I would have never picked, are getting very introspective and retrospective and they're mm. starting to mm. question mm. things mm. that they probably have never questioned before. Mm. And I think now's the time to have these big conversations. I mean, I'm not educated on every topic and every idea, but I just, I personally just like to throw them out on the floor and and let's see what let's see what people come up with because it's just becoming more and more obvious that things aren't working. <laughs> it's, it, what's very very important in this world, I believe, is our intention. We can people talk about climate change. It's Absolutely, you need to put that into perspective. I mean, we've had multiple, multiple, multiple ice ages. We have scientific evidence to suggest that the poles reverse every X amount of years. We have uh, 15th century maps um, existing today of the South Pole with no ice in it. This planet was changing. I mean, the reason Earth is here is because of climate change. We came from climate change. The earth exploded from climate change. Um, have we had an impact on the climate? Of course. Yes, of course. But nature is the big power. We're only passing through. David Suzuki called it the, the, the nature of things. Amazing guy. The nature of things, right? So the further away you get from nature the more disconnected you are from self. Gotcha. There you go. And um, essentially the human spine is a, is a, is a, is a conducting rod uh, between heaven and earth. And um, so that's why you need to walk on the earth in your bare feet to connect with the, the earth chakra and then through meditation to open up your mind, and in that way to connect heaven to earth through your spine. Dude, just <laughs> such a guru, man. I just love the way you explain these things because it's, oh, it's just profound, bro. I love it. And I want to go, go back to this question just came to my mind. Like I'm listening to you and, and your delivery is just beautiful. And I thought... What kind of student were you at school back when you were a child? A shocker. <laughs> I was a shocker. Why? So why? Um, <laughs> Disengaged? I think I was a, 
I was a real I was a real dickhead when I was younger. Attention you know. seeker? Um, <laughs> I caused the teachers a lot of trouble. I mean, if I had been a teacher teaching me, you know, I wouldn't have been happy. But um, I, it wasn't until my 40s that um, I stopped being selfish. Interesting that you said the 40s. Mm. And it wasn't until my 40s that I... I got out of um, any kind of narcissistic traits in my character and um, uh, it took me a long time to sort it out and to understand that there was um, implications for my actions and that um, that the universe is built on opposites and so everything needs to be in balance. we got to understand sun, moon, hatha, man, woman, night, everything is opposite. Atomic structure is opposite. A seesaw needs two people on it. So we need balance. And I understood at some point that um, when I had some big, big troubles in my life and some major accidents and stuff, I had to think about it. And I understood that um, if I continued to be an, um, uh, an ass, I was basically... Uh, and that in its way was selfish because I was worried about my future because I do believe in the afterlife. I don't want to go up top and uh, and think and say, "Hey, dude, you." Um, Do you identify with a certain religion? Religions are a man-made construct. Um, uh, fundamental beliefs, um, um, which in the wrong hands, um, as history has proved, have have been quite lethal, and um, and they still continue today. Um, whether it be the Crusades, um, uh, the big problem is is that people think that what they think is better than what you think, <laughs> and if that makes any sense, and so is it, it is, does. Is it? Ego goes yeah. back to ego, like you said earlier. Ego, religion is fine, and I completely respect it, but it should be private. And it should be within the confines of your own home, and it shouldn't be used as a justification for difference. Religion should. I think we need to move away from religion and just get back down to uh, saying hello to one another in the morning, not cutting the person off on the road, just doing basic stuff. I mean, religion can be hugely divisive and can be used as a tool by the, uh, by the elites. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. So, okay, maybe maybe not the best student. Okay. Um, I've I got a feeling that you, you potentially could have been academic, but was it more behavioural issues that used to be be uh, be the issue? I'm not academic. Um, I've always felt a, so, a, a certain knowing that I couldn't explain. You, you might ask me about this or that, and I think I would know. Um, so... In in that sense, uh, with all complete modesty, I believe possibly if some people are old souls, some people are young. I, I don't know, but I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Uh, you but, feel like uh, an old soul. I, I feel. I feel. Yeah. I feel. I feel. I feel that way. Uh, I, I understand the world, uh, and it's probably why I choose at the moment not to be part of it. Yeah. 
so that's a big that's a big statement. Like you feel like at the moment you choose not to be part of it. I'm living like a hermit uh, since I closed the yoga studio. Um, like I gave my heart and soul to business, to yoga, to so to so much. Um, I I pushed out, I pushed out, I gave out, and at some point, I think about a couple of years ago, I had to come in. Were you burning out? I think I was burning out. Yeah, either that or people were just completely sick of of listening to my nonsense. But I just um um I had to. I became a hermit. I be, I became a complete hermit, and yeah, no friends as such. Okay. Um, absolutely none, and I, I never wanted friends in my life. I I just wanted family. Yeah. Uh, family was enough for me and always has been. And when I say family, I mean my single mom, sisters. I mean my uh, my in-laws. They're all part of my family. Yeah, I get it. Um, and that's enough for me to handle. Um, so I try to keep things really basic and strong and fundamental as opposed to really a big, huge, wide matrix of nothingness. I get it. Mm. Dude, it's it's really, really interesting. And I just, it's, I mean, you've just put so many thought-provoking ideas out there, Brian. Mm. Um, I just was watching you, like, just for the last, it's almost been an hour. Um and the stuff that's coming out of you, I can just—it's so obvious that you know you're you're living and br- and breathing a lot of these philosophies. But um, I am I'm still very curious about like your time, like as a as a teen and then a, and then a young man. What was that transition like for you from, you know, being a teenager, leaving school, and then into adulthood? You know, there's that that space when you. When you don't really know what you're doing with your life, and you're a bit confused, and you feel like you're lacking direction, or did you did you go through those kind of feelings of confusion, isolation, um, lack of purpose? I did, yeah, very much. Yeah, it took it. Um, Was it post school? Those first year or the first year or two after school? My young life was um, was taken up by Irish football. So you used to play Gaelic football. Yeah, really, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, yeah, I play. I played a lot of football at I a played, high level. I played representative football. Yeah, did you really? Mm-hmm. So for those that don't know what Irish football is, can you give us a, a, a really brief description? <laughs> I know a lot of Australians. A lot of Australians understand it because effectively, I think AFL mm. was um, yeah. derived from it. It's something like that, but with a round ball. And like a football, like a soccer ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can score a goal like in soccer. Score a goal and you get a point if you kick it over the bar and a goal if you kick it under the bar. There's a, there's a, you've got 15 players each side, uh, maybe 120 metre pitch. And uh, yeah, just a load of mad Irish guys um, <laughs> hitting each other over the head and going for drinks afterwards. <laughs> a big part of your story hey through your younger years playing like at an elite level listen uh i was i was a very sensitive um um uh i wasn't i wasn't a scrapper um so even though i could play football well 
I was always the guy that got that got a clip, you know. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I probably would say that I, I, I would, I would have got bullied a lot at school if, if I was perfectly blunt about it when you I did. was young. Yeah, and I, um, because, because, why? it affected me quite a lot. Why do you think you drew that that kind of energy onto you as a kid? What I, I, I felt, I, I, I felt, um, I felt different. I felt myself to be. Um, I wasn't, um, we moved around 14 times in 14 years is basically what I'm saying. And even though I had a huge amount of love from home, um, I had to go into a new school every once in a while. And, um, you know, but uh, listen, as I said before, uh, nothing really bothered me, but... uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think a lot, of, like a lot of people, I was completely and utterly lost. I, I I think teenagers, that is the this just strangest time in life. Teenagers, I, I just it's it's, it's a real um, strange time. Oh, they're so they're so delicate. Yeah. They really are, and I think yeah. they present. Now they they can yeah. they can still speak like they they speak like adults. They can also articulate ideas yeah, and all that. Yeah. But fundamentally, they're still yeah. so delicate yeah. emotionally. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like over time as a high school teacher, I, I'm starting to understand that more and more yeah. because you know they, there's this exterior that we we judge yeah. so quickly with teenagers. Yeah. But you don't have to scratch very far to see that there's a very scared little child under. That's you know, the, you know the boys are starting to get a deep voice and. Their bodies and the girls and they're starting. To, everyone's starting to. Their bodies are developing. It's very easy to judge that exterior the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there needs to be so much compassion and empathy for that age group. I mean, as as you said, like the younger age group as well, because from zero to seven, you know, those neurological pathways and and emotional pathways and behavioural yeah. pathways are being yeah. set. You know. You know, as Shakespeare said, the seven stages of life, you know, we all have to go through them, you know. Mm. I mean, um, for me, it was pimples and uh, wet the bed or asthma or um, getting bashed. Like, you go, you just go through all of that stuff. Yeah. And um, you you just get on with it. Yeah. And uh, if you have a good attitude to life in, in terms of, well, I keep coming back to it. If you have that fundamental love, well, then you can just move on. Yeah, you can move on, and uh, a positive attitude. I mean, it just every day is a great day. Like, there's no bad days. There's really not. You know, my father was drowned at sea at forty nine. My mother died of cancer, but every day is still a great day. Because your father was a fisherman, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, we, we um, you know, life is so great because. It, the next breath you have has such hope in it. I can't believe you said that because one of my previous guests, uh, Christian Stern, he said that sometimes like we can, out, we're actually, we, we sort of measure our lives on the amount of years that we live, but he said maybe we should be looking at it as the amount of breaths we're given in a life like, and we're actually given a set amount of breaths <laughs> when we're first born. <laughs> and that's our journey. And it's like, how are you going to use each breath? It's yeah. like, that's a, wow, doesn't that change the game when you think about it? That you, you know, your breaths are finite. 
they're, they're dwindling slowly and that makes every every single breath precious, doesn't it? Uh, it does in terms of, I mean, the slower you breathe, the longer you're going to live. Yeah. So if you want to live a long life, the you can do like... The slower you breathe, yeah. the longer you go. Yeah, well, look at the, look at the tortoise. <laughs> That's so epic. I the love to- it. The tortoise, 300, you know, I think 300. Uh, the, tor- the turtle. The oh, the turtle. T- oh, the tortoise, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, 300 years, you know. That's amazing. Because they're, 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 breathing, they're breathing slower, yeah. They're, um, They've slowed their central nervous system right down. Right, right. And the yogis, the yogis live, can live forever if they want to. It's like they can master the art, the um, art of, 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 of breath, of breath. I mean, any bad situation, you can completely calm down in one breath, completely. So true. You can nearly put yourself to sleep in a breath. Dude, it's it's so true. Like when you're so when you're breathing fast and you're in a panic all the time, you're actually like shortening your life. As another, there's the other side. That's the other flip side. Well, you're opening the door to uh, two words: dis dis ease. We call it disease, and we also call it stress. So when I used to fish farm in Ireland, uh, we used to move the uh, little smolts from the uh, little pens out to sea. The biggest killer to the salmon was stress. Stress of moving. It's like us moving a house, right? So stress kills you. Cancer loves stress. It loves sugar. It loves stress. What do we have in our society today? We have cancer. Oh, sorry, we have stress. And we have lots of sugar. Cancer loves it. And we have everyone... This is why I've disengaged a little bit from the world because on some levels I find it completely um, illogical. We have all of these people going around collecting money for uh, cures to cancer. Please, before you you get the wrong idea, I, my stepfather and my mother both died of cancer and I have a lot of cancer in my family, so I'm a complete empathy with cancer victims. We should be approaching cancer the other way. Is to take away its uh, raison d'être, its reason to be. We should take away its 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 foundation to exist by changing the way we live. You said community. We spoke about love, education. We spoke about getting away from the money system and just going back to a. You have to keep coming back to it. A simple life. A simple life can be a great life. Look at Gandhi. Look at Nelson Mandela. Simple, simple. Gandhi wove his own clothes. He wrote a few letters. Had a chat with Paramahansa Yokananda. He changed the world. Mm. Sim- simply, simply. Not by printing trillions of dollars every day and propping up banks. Dude, I agree. I mean, the Balinese culture, I don't know if you've had much experience with, with um, them. They're, it's a Hindu culture. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they fundamentally, they, you know, they've adapted to, I guess, um, vast amounts of tourism and it's a, it's a very desirable place to be for a tourist and yeah. they've adapted to it but they have not wavered in their belief systems and – they do. They move slow and they commune. They do a lot of ceremonies. 
um, and uh, they they live simply. And so when you know the COVID stuff began um, and the, and all the money dried up from the tourist dollar, there was there wasn't pandemonium, there wasn't panic. In in fact, I actually sensed relief amongst the community because things slowed down again. They all went back out to their villages. Right. They moved away. From, they went back to their villages, went back to sharing sharing rice, growing rice, harvesting, oh, yeah. and back to those traditional practices because they obviously had no other choice. But um, it was just – it didn't – I mean, it's getting more dire there. There's no doubt about it. Um, however, um, it I didn't see – the same amount of panic that I felt as soon as I got off the plane here um, in Sydney. I felt I felt it straight away. Um, and when I see this mass mass buying of consumables uh. that occurred, I mean that that wasn't going on there. And uh, it was this this uh, they do generally live more simply than we do, and uh, they're the happiest people I've ever come across. Them and the Nepalese who we who we both. Got to enjoy that time we did a hike, so because they have less want, there's less desire. Mm. Yeah, they're not. They don't have mortgages. I mean, mm. they're not allowed to get mortgages over there. Mm. The banks don't give out loans for mortgages. Um, they don't have mortgages. They're not actually saving money f- to buy a boat or a car. They're just literally living from day to day or week to week. And uh, people in the people in the West call that a retreat. Yeah, it's true. It's true. They're getting, having a break from it. Yeah, right. We pay to do it. We pay to do it. Mm. Right. So that's how far down the track we've gone. It's really interesting. Like it all comes like it. Like you were saying, it. It really does just keep coming back to that same notion of simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. You know, I watched a program once about um, a young American chap. His parents were really high achievers. He went to um, MIT in America. I think he was trained. They wanted him to be a doctor. You may have seen it on TV. Total breakdown, too much expectation, blah, blah. So he went off into the, I forget where it was. He went into say, he went to see a shaman in South America, wherever it was, and drank there. Ayahuasca. Yeah. But... For the first couple of months, that just kept him in a hut, and he got, I think, fish and rice, a few vegetables. He was just left isolated, completely calmed down. Then he'd wander out onto the streets and kick ball around with the kids, bare feet. Then they took him out into the jungle and they buried him in the in the mud, just with his head out. Took him out brought him back to the hut and the shaman said to him, his shaman sat right in front of him face to face and sang him a song. And the guy had to sing him a song back too. What I'm trying to get is, is that we need to disconnect to connect. <laughs> Damn straight, bro. And we need to go back to go forward. And the accumulation of desires and wants and needs and hey as i'll say it again i'm as guilty as most anyone that knows me will, will tell you i've i've been a pretty brutal businessman in certain aspects i can be brutal at times um or have been um business made me that way but it never took away the empathy or the compassion for the human condition, 
so I think basically, uh, yeah, just, and it comes down to responsibility for your life. We can't just look at the world and go, oh, what did Trump say now? Or what did Deng Xiaoping say now? It's like, who cares? That's not my world. I'm just going to go out to the back of my garden. I'm going to bring the dog for a walk. Like, take, I've taken responsibility for my life. Um, and how I live it. And I don't pay too much attention to the media. We, we don't need to know what's going on everywhere in the world 24-7. There's too much news. I just, We just go into the neighbours here every day. They're both in their 80s. They've been married over 50 years. And we bring the dog in. I go in with the kids. We sit down. You ask me what I do in the morning. That's one of the things that we do. We connect. We we sit down with our neighbors. We make sure we celebrate their birthdays. Um, we have a vegetable patch down at a community garden here in Dapdo, which I've been down to today. Um, and, you know, years ago, if you said that to me, I would thought, oh, simplistic nonsense. You know, why aren't you out making money, mate? Why aren't you out having a go? Uh, I've done that too, um, but my father um, taught me, you know, keep it simple. Yeah, man, I love it. And I just like, um, I don't know, how are you feeling, Brian? Are you, do you, are you feeling tired? Are you feeling like, I mean, I, I could sit here and listen to you talk story all night, to be honest. Are you getting tired? Are you feeling all right? No, no, I'm 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 feeling great. I I like to. Um, I don't get the opportunity uh, since I give up the yoga to talk to the public that much anymore. See, I'm really so I miss that platform. Actually, I find it like interesting that you've you've made that move. Like that that you've you just said like you've you've given up the yoga. I mean, from where I'm sitting, I feel like the yoga just is in you and is just emanating out mm. of you. Is that mm. the right word? Um, but yeah, to hear you say that you've given up the yoga, um, I'm just really curious by that because I, I mean, I, I go through phases where I do more or less, but, uh, it's, I do can honestly say that it is a a staple, a staple in my life, especially when things get tough. I, I, I go to it and I go to the meditation very quickly when I'm not coping. So to hear you say that. I'm just very curious by that. Is it because you've got a negative association with it for some reason or? I found myself personally, um, I can't, anything I would say about my perception of yoga or how it's treated in the Western world today, um, that really wasn't, I think, I think there's a lot of hypocrisy in yoga. So you'll have a yoga teacher, they get they become a yoga teacher after 200 hours, whatever it is. Um, and next thing, they're a god. Okay. They, they're going to... So many I've met that will tell you about life. I used to... I used to have to stop my, uh, my, I used to have quite 
all elderly people come into my studio, postmenopausal women, um, all kinds of people who had huge life experience, four or five kids, divorce, they had huge life experience. And I don't mean in this in any way personally directed to anybody, but the situation I was presented with was some yoga, young yoga teacher telling them about life. That's not on. Mm. And so everyone, everyone, everyone became a guru all of a sudden. And everyone knew everything about everything all of a sudden. Everyone was enlightened, but they weren't. Um, and um, I just, I, I really, really love yoga. I did the Bikram yoga, which is, is quite controversial because of the guy. Um, he's on the run now. Um, yeah. Um, I had an accident many, many years ago. I had a two and a half ton excavator following me. I was in the amputation ward in, in, in Parramatta for many months and I came very, very close. The only reason they didn't chop off my leg was because they gave me too many shots of morphine by mistake. And when they came around to do the operation, I was doing the crossword. Um, so I appeared to be okay. They left me alone. The guy alongside me, he was taken away and he lost his. But um, <laughs> um, I, like so, how, I like how you just casually dropped that in. Oh, yeah, by the way, I should so have had my leg chopped off. Yeah, so that's why I gave off. That's how. That's that, that's why I gave up my uh, construction business in, in Sydney. Um, had a major accident. Spent five or six weeks in, um, in hospital. And then um, I seen a Bikram Yoga sign in Lane Cove in Sydney and intuitively as I've done all my life um, I, I just work on intuition I seen the Bikram Yoga student and I went in I was in a wheelchair and they said I'd never walk again yeah so um, I went in and I started doing the Bikram I hated Bikram for five years I passionately hated it but you still did it yeah I hated the teachers I hated the people in the room <laughs> I hated myself Um I had, I had a lot of hate. I think business had made me that way. We, we, we was a multi-million dollar business. I, I, I had, I had, I had, um, whatever. Um, and, um, yeah, so, but that, I, I got walking again and I got a couple of flippers and I started swimming laps, moving my feet and I got walking and then, and then, um, that was my life change. You talk about silver linings to clouds. That was my life change. So, my daughter, who's 21 and profoundly deaf, I decided to raise funds for her deaf school in Sydney, St. Gabriel's School in Castle Hill in Sydney. Her, my daughter's name is Erin. Erin. Erin, like most teenagers, give me a lot of tr trouble. But yeah, profoundly deaf. She does the Auslan. But so I set off to uh, climb the highest mountain on each continent around the world. One was in, um, so we did Mount McKinley. In Alaska, we did Aconcagua, and I was on my way to Everest, um, and I met Claudia, my wife, at uh, Bikram Yoga Teacher Training in America. Had a big run in with Bikram. I told did him, you? yeah, I had told him he was a big mouth. But um, you, pick, you picked him out. You picked him out early. Well, I don't believe in judgment. It was wrong of me to say anything, but he. he Bickham's a funny guy, you know. Um, he he he's um, he, he likes. He's a man's. He's 
he, he said to me, what do you think of me in front of about four or five hundred people? And I said, well, to really? be honest, to be honest, I said, um, you know, you got a little bit, a little bit of a big mouth and a little bit of an opinion of yourself. But I tell you what, I tell you what, he took it like he took it like a man. He didn't take it like um, petulantly. He took it like a man. Um, and half of the college or the training school were basically wouldn't talk to me after my blood for the following day. And, um, and he said, he said, you know, that guy that spoke to me yesterday in that way, he said he, he wasn't being a smart arse. He said he was just, he was just giving an opinion. He said, it's not a problem. Well, you answered honestly. But um, the the Bikram was sensational, but I always had, um, I never thought that Bikram, um, Bikram in many ways is probably the best form of yoga in the world in terms of it's very confrontational and you're either going to come through and go to a better place are you going to run away? Most people run away. It's a, Bikram is actually um, Bisnu Gosh. Bisnu Gosh. Bisnu Gosh was the um, was the uh, older brother of Paramahansa Yogananda, one of the greatest spiritual engines of our times. He wrote autobiography of a yogi. Um, and his organization is called the Self Realization Fellowship. It still exists today. It has headquarters in Encini, I think, in California, and they're in Sydney. And hopefully someday we'll build them a place here. But Bisnu Gosh was a young brother. He was in weightlifting, and Bikram was his student. And um, Bikram picked up on the on the stuff, and there was it's really a, a very very ancient lineage, and goes back a long long way. Bisnu Gosh Yoga, but uh, it was put into a hot room with 26 postures out of a normal 86. And they call it Bikram's Beginner's Yoga. If it's taught in the right way, in a compassionate way, it's okay. If it's taught in the wrong way, it's like anything else. It's it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a little bit of an inferiority complex with the Bikram because I always rated Ashtanga um, as a, a more pure form of yoga. But... Listen, we talk. We talked about religion. It, it really, you start going down the path of different yogas, and which is best? It's just, it's just nonsense. <clears throat> yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I'm someone that really enjoys all all forms of yoga, and I've experimented with various forms. And I must admit, like for me, I I think the greatest transformation actually happened during my time being quite fanatical about Bikram yoga. Mm. Um, I really, I think you described mm. it the best. Like there was a lot of times I was in that room and I, I, I hated it. I hated the struggle. But I think what kept me going back was this notion of it's an open eye meditation, whereas like that, that repetitive nature of the same 26 postures, the same dialogue repeated and then your progressions are like these micro progressions, you know, like being able to, you know, not fall out of a balancing pose and you're able to hold a balancing pose for a second longer than you did 
the week before. Those things kept me coming back. I liked the struggle. I liked the heat. And I felt like I was breaking every time I did it. I was I was peeling away layers of my ego. Correct. Because I was looking in the mirror at myself with my shirt off in a in a pair of shorts and I was just confronted by exactly who I was in a in a state of vulnerability doing moves that were very challenging in a very challenging environment and um that time that period of my life I was watching other people in that room literally transform I mean I can think of some people that we both know that I've seen them and you know at the start and then I seen them two years later Mm. And we're talking about completely different humans, not just yeah. physically but yeah. mentally. But I, I really feel like it, it built this mental strength. Um, and, I mean, physically, I, those times I felt stronger than ever. Like yeah, I was yeah. surfing better than I'd ever surfed during my Bikram yeah. time. Yeah. I felt strong in the core. You, you, this, there's so much to say about it, but essentially um, with the yoga, Hatha yoga is just physical yoga. It's movement. Yeah, vinyasa is just flow. Uh, Hatha yoga is physical yoga. Um, So first we start with the body. We have to control the body. Then because we're looking in the mirror, as you perfectly said, the open eye meditation aspect, we look to connect the mind to the body. We go into the mind. And through the connection of the mind to the body, we can then come to the Atma, the soul, um, the, the, the light in you. And um, by vibrating at a higher level as a result of um, stretching your nerves, basically your spine is a superhighway, it's a Shuma. And by keeping your spine in great condition, and your mind challenged and in good condition and your nervous system stretched, your body operates, think of a radio, at a higher frequency. And because you're operating at a higher frequency, you're surfing better. And that's just basically it. The higher your vibration Athletes look for it. They, they look for that high vibration and it can be measured in the human cell. And there's the other thing. People are listening. You need to get hold of a book called The Secret Life of uh, Water by Emoto, a Japanese guy. And, you know, he carried out experiments where um, he put a glass of water in, in a room full of happy people, yoga people, and a glass of water in with some people who had just a, a, a bad, um, poor attitude to life. And of course, he took the uh, photos of the atomic structure of the water before and afterwards. And the uh, you will you can go onto YouTube and see it. The um, the photos of, of course, the, 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 the water from the happy room was, they were like stars in the sky. And then in the, 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 the photographs, on the other side of the, from the other control condition was, um, they had gone completely black. What I want to say to you is this, your attitude affects the cellular structure of your body. 
and sorry, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. So keep going because I'm I'm just like excited because yeah, keep going. Your attitude and how you perceive life, and which is why I said the other a little while ago. Every day is a great day. It has to be because your health is reliant on it. Because if you're having a bad day, I don't. But you can never have a bad day because. Um, there's so much opportunity in every breath. You you can change. It's inherent in in breath that every breath is a bonus and every day is a new beginning. So every breath is an opportunity for a new crack at life. You have no right. You 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 might feel sad. But you, you, you gotta kick on. Mm. That notion of um, like uh, your emotions being li- linked to your cells, like is that like? Are you sort of saying like we can actually through our thoughts we can actually change our matter? Like we can change our cellular structure? It's absolutely like so. It's it's physiological. Is that it's actually is that quantum physics? This is what I keep saying to everyone is 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 the outer edges of physics is yoga. Right. Wow. Cause like you know, string theory physics is yoga, quantum physics. It's all your everything's yoga. It's and 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 this is the thing that I had about yoga that turned me off a little bit. Like yoga is not the latest hot pants with the latest organic mat from blah blah or like don't put tickets you know this Is don't put ma- tickets on yourself like just just put down your mat and just crack on with it but is it maybe the business model that that has emerged from the popularity of it if, if it, it it that you don't resonate with um if you want to get to the whole population um you have to remove money from that. So, for instance, imagine imagine Australia today, if, for example, the Prime Minister said, instead of lockdown, between 6.30 in the morning and 7.30 in the morning, there is yoga. The country's doing yoga. No traffic on the roads. We're doing yoga. Then we're going to have some tea, spend some time with our family. <laughs> we might see an increase in productivity. You have to be, you have to be, uh, it's uh, yoga in many senses. And listen, I was the worst culprit, but I, what happened to me was um, with yoga, I had um, a business in Sydney. It made me a few dollars. That's all I can say about it. And at some point I decided I had to give back. And so I came down to Wollongong from Sydney. And what had happened was in my prayers over the years, I had prayed to my guru, Paramahansa Yokananda. I said, if you can just get me out of the construction, um, I'll do something good for you. And I lived on five acres of land in Kellyville at the time that I that I owned. 
And one day I woke up and the land was rezoned for housing. I got an offer from a developer and I was on my way. Came down to Bulungong and um, I kept my promise. I opened the yoga studio and listen, we needed to make money to survive, but we didn't chase it. Um, we opened that studio and I think we went through about 110,000 visits in uh, in four or five years. Like it was wow. mental for the first three years. Um, and we did it because of a love for the yoga. We knew what it could do. And listen, when I say yoga, it doesn't matter whether it's Bikram or Shtanga. I don't care what it is. I, I, don't, I don't care who you are, who your guru is. It's just yoga, okay? Let's just call it yoga, Bikram, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, it's just a journey inwards through an exploration of self on a mat. That's all it is. And maybe you're just like finding a style that resonates with you personally. You've got to follow your... You you gotta follow your heart map. Mm. You gotta follow it. And 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 you gotta walk to the mountain, not away from it. You, you 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 should always walk towards hardship. You think so? Yeah. Do you think oh, we have yeah. to struggle in life though? No no no, we, we, we can struggle happily. I was gonna say, so you're saying we can find peace in the struggle. Struggle is so good. Hardship is so so good. Any uh, you're not going to change sitting on the couch. You change through fundamental challenges in your life. And if you're not challenging yourself on some level, you're not moving. And that's okay because like me, sometimes you need to stay still. But soon again, we'll pick up the baton and, 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 and maybe open another yoga studio and have another challenge. But I always, you must, you must, um, Invite the hard day into your life with a happy smile because that will make you better through handling it well. Dude, Brian. <laughs> My God, it's been epic, bro. It's been like it's well over an hour and a half. And um, it's... It's funny you talk about struggle. I've been talking about that with friends a lot. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I said to you that when I first got here tonight, like, you know, I'm in my early 40s now. I mean, I've known you, I think, for, for many years now, I think. And, um, and I, uh, I'm, I'm really questioning whether, whether we have to struggle and what is struggle and, and do you need to struggle to progress, you know. Um, and it's I just find it very interesting that you you brought up those those same themes. What, no, but you've told you've told me um, you love the Bikram. I did because of, I like the bit, struggle. Yeah, yeah, okay. And it's funny. I'm also drawn to this form of breathing called Wim Hof breathing. Okay, um, because I actually like the struggle because part of it is holding your breath. Right. And uh, mate, call me sick or crazy, but yeah. I actually really like that struggle of being starved of oxygen. I and I know my boundaries. And I'm and I like to really dance on those boundaries yeah. when I'm holding my breath. Yeah. So I am kind of drawn to it, but I don't know if that's a form of narcissism, or if it's a form of um, I'm questioning whether it's a form of like what do you call that like self harm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. But yeah, 
I don't know. You need challenges to move on, to progress. Um, that's all I'm saying. Um, and also this search for personal truth. What What does that mean? Exactly. Well, I don't know. I was going to ask you, like, do you feel like you're living your truth? Um, I can honestly say completely uh, without any nonsense that I've never not gone after what I've dreamed about. I've not never. I can tell, bro. Um, and um, that's why I say if you're dreaming it, the old people used to say you've got to be careful what you wish for. Right? It's true. Um, Is that because we can bring that energy into our life, good or bad? <sighs> we, we're, we, it's just all vibration. And um, if, you, if you forget about the human body and our nose and our face for a while and just realize that we're just an energy form that is putting out a want or a need or a wish, the universe, we don't ask enough of the universe. Um, we, we, we should all have uh, connect and have guides there might be loved ones, past ones and if you really really take time out and meditate and listen, I don't mean sitting there in a cross-legged position um, going um uh, with uh, blah blahs, uh, dingles or dangles in your uh, let's get away from all of that just sit, sit on a chair put on some YouTube just type in heaven music and just chill out. And there are people around you that, um, from the other side, that, that mind you and that guide you. And you've got to connect with them. Be, so like create, yeah. create the space for connection. You've got to create the space. You've got to open the portal. Open the portal. Be to, be, the, 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 you've got to open the top chakra, uh, open the headspace. Connect heaven to earth, bare feet on ground. You bring heaven down into earth and through your spine. Just very simply by saying, let the light come into my life. And as you you ask of the world and as you perceive the world, so shall it be for you. Um, if you if you if you if you have a bad attitude towards life in terms of uh, it's always bad, it's always this, then that's it. That's it for you. So be careful what you th- be careful what you wish for. Man, dude, it's been epic, and I'm just um, yeah. My mind keeps going back to what you said about breath. In terms of like a long, slow breath can extend your life. I think you said. Like we're talking, yeah. The slow, the, the, the slow breath. The slower you breathe, the longer you live. The slower you breathe, the longer you live, and I, that's that is just going to really stick with me because I'm definitely someone who's very prone to breathing fast, regularly. Well, I'll I'll do one breath now. Let's do it.
So I feel like I want to go to sleep now. I feel like I want to go to sleep now, yeah. It's amazing how the um, just the whole feeling in the room changed. Mm. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm talking slow or I'm a bit drowsy. I Brother, feel I feel relaxed. What but, do you reckon? Let's you want let's wrap it up. Yeah, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, man, thanks so much for being on. Like, I must admit, coming here tonight and re- like I say this a lot in the podcast, I, I try to work on an intuitive sense for, for who my new guest is. Um, and often it's dictated by my environment and where I am and um, I, I don't know why but you came to mind and then I wasn't sure if you were, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure if you were the right person to have on. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what I was in for. I haven't spoke to you in a while and um, but I felt excited about it and then I sort of got here and I just kind of felt, oh, I mean, is this right? Is, is, this the, is, this, is this guy meant to be on the show? I must admit, that's how I was feeling. I wasn't sure. And, um, you know, I must, from the second you started speaking, I was like, there's a reason you need to be on and, and, I, and, and put some of these ideas and messages into the world. And I'm profoundly grateful. And before you go, I just want to talk to you about one more thing. Because, <laughs> listen, do you remember when we, we hiked to Mount Everest Base Camp? You know, do you remember that? I mean, yes, I know you've yeah. done it a few times. Do you yeah. remember our trip? Yeah. Do you remember the a morning um, where we we got to base camp mm. or just near base camp? It was uh, was a place called Gorishep. It was just, it was the hardest of the oh, hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were tired. It was cold. There were people that didn't want to go that extra half a day's walk to get to base camp and they wanted to stay in the warmth and we were exhausted. I got it. And yeah. then... And I think we were all suffering from like low levels of or even high levels of altitude sickness, you know, mm. bordering on cerebral edema. I think we had someone flown out with cerebral edema. Oh, yeah, remember? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think and, – and I remember – and then we, we hiked. We got to this one point. Some people stayed and then a group of us, you know, we went to base camp. Yeah. And I'll never forget we frolicked at the base of the – the Kumbu Glacier. Do you remember that? You know, it yeah. was just in, in hindsight. I, I have dreams about it, these yeah. vivid dreams. And you don't remember this, but we, we started finding stones yeah. with um, certain metals in them, okay. shiny stones. Yeah, yeah. And you actually found a stone, and I think it was you or maybe Lakpa, Lakpa Sherpa. Okay. And um, But I'm pretty sure it was you who gave it to me, this stone. It had these flecks of some shiny mineral or metal in it. Yeah, and I actually got that stone um, made into a necklace for my mother, and she wears it. And um, it's Mother's Day tomorrow, bro. And, <laughs> um, and for me, it was a really I love mums. <laughs> I love mums, and like I just feel like like I'll never forget. I'll never forget you for that. And then I remember the next morning we. Then we walked back all day to this place, and we yeah. stayed in these. It wasn't. I mean, what do you call that? Like they were plyboard. Rooms in sub-zero temperatures, freezing. The t- we could, you couldn't go to the toilet because the toilets were frozen, so you couldn't take a shit because like it just wouldn't go anywhere. Like it was gnarly. <laughs> it was dirty. We couldn't get food. Like people talk about base camp, like oh, it's just base camp, but man, it was gnarly. Like it was way harder than I thought. But anyway, the next morning after doing that pure exhaustion, it was me, you, and I think two other guys, and you're like, we're going to the peak of Mount Kalapatar. We're going to get up at. 3 a.m. and we're going to hike for two hours up this mountain. We're going to be just on 6,000 meters where we almost need oxygen tanks, but we don't. And we're going to watch the sunrise over Mount Everest. 
And we did, dude. I mean, we got up there. We didn't need to actually get harnesses and all that. It was still, you know, hiking, but it was so hard. And I remember being so exhausted. And I remember you and I got up the top first and we sat there and this the sun was coming over Mount Everest and I just – it was to this day. And, we, and I felt like we we're right – like every, the peak of Everest was right there, yes, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like we're looking right at it, and it's yeah, just yeah. like to this day, man. It was just I I have visions of it when I'm in hard times. It was just so profound, and like I, I'm going to share that story with my children and my grandchildren, <laughs> and you know, thank you for for creating that space and opportunity, man. And I'm really grateful. You don't understand how much by you organizing that trip. How much it probably? I mean, it, it was a, a bit, of, a bit of a life changer for me, and I'm, sh- and I know other people. So, yeah, man, big respect. Well, it's uh, it's good to see you, Shannon, and uh, it's nice to know you're going to be back around Wollongong again with your, your lovely wife Jade and your family. Uh, you were, well, we you are were... actually scheduled to go back to Bali, <laughs> <laughs> but for now, yeah, yeah. You were you were a, a, a good yoga student, uh, and uh, uh, I've loved I've uh, loved finding out about you as the things as as the years roll by. You gave me a lovely book after that trip, full of photographs of 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 the trip. Um, but at the end of the day, life is love. It's just loving one another as best we can, and and. Um, and cutting each other a lot more slack than what we do. Yeah, that's it. <sighs> Beautiful. <laughs> now listen, I've got a, I've got a, a little, I've got a couple of gifts for you. Um, our friends at Indosol, uh, they make footwear out of um, repurposed motor vehicle tires. You know, they're just they're trying to Beautiful. trying to do the right thing. And um, there's a there's a pair of um, Indosol. Sandals in the mail from Indosol's Australian distributor. So big thanks to those guys. Um, and the other present I have for you is, don't get too excited, is a <laughs> Terrible Happy Talks Circle logo sticker. I only give these to people that have been on the show. So I guess you're an alumni. So there's your sticker. <laughs> it's just a, a small token uh, of, our, of my appreciation, that's for sure. And um, the last thing was I asked you at the start is uh, – I ask all guests to come to the show with a cause that they want to advocate for a charity or a, a social enterprise. Um, and I think we discussed at the start you'd like to um, advocate for or highlight the Himalayan, what was it? It's the Himalayan Education uh, Charity Foundation. Um, I, I'm involved in that organisation because I know any money that goes into it goes directly to um to uh, the education uh, of of children in the Everest area very very intelligent people beautiful people Buddhist people but listen no matter where you are in the world charity begins at home um if, you know we talk about charities but HECF is the one is the one to uh is the one is the one I wanna I would say to you is the answer. Beautiful, and I'll um I'll put a link to that um to the Himalayan Education Charity Foundation website in Brian's show notes. 
which will then follow this episode around on the terriblehappytalks.com website with links to all your favorite platforms for listening, such as Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Pod, sorry, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Stitcher, and a few others. And uh, if you, uh, I'd like, it'd be great if you could write me a review on iTunes. Um, feedback of any type is appreciated. Uh, I'm here, I'm here for the long haul and want to progress and improve. So please write me a review. I'd be so stoked. Brian. Legend, dude. Let's. What are we doing here? Like it's it's Corona times. Do we do we shake hands? Do we high five? Do we do knuckles? What are we doing? Knuckle pump. Ooh. All right, brother. Thanks for your time. Thanks. Have a good man. night. Hey, so before we kick off the podcast, I just want to talk about getting your morning kick in Belmont Coffee. Belmont is owned by skaters, barbers, traders, and musicians. They came together with the idea of creating a co-pilot that's next to you on the late night drives, early mornings on the job site, or a midday pick-me-up, ethically sourced beans in a sustainable can, and ready to go when you are. Use the code THT to score a discount at belmont.com. That's Belmont, B-E-L-L-M-O-T-T dot com.